This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The only 10 players that matter for week seven, your best players are on by. We're here to save your lineup. Peyton Winks, Josh Norris. We're going to go through kind of the matchups, the individual talents who should shine this weekend. Before we get there, though, we did have a late night breaking news stream for Christian McCaffrey. Super late here on the West Coast or in the East Coast. Gosh, I've even forgotten where I am. But because of that, we need a, a rankings adjustment because yes. people spent, you know, a number one overall selection on Christian McCaffrey. So let's just focus in on week seven. Where do you have him ranked and where do you have Jeff Wilson ranked and where do you have the replacements in Carolina and Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman ranked? So this is still too early into the week, but we have some nuggets. Kyle Shanahan himself said it's too early to tell if Christian McCaffrey is going to play. Uh, Adam Schefter originally kind of said that and then he said maybe he is smart enough. He went to Stanford to figure out and get uh, to play <laughs> this week. And then uh, Ian Rappaport seems the most bullish he said that there's uh, that he's likely to play maybe about like five to 20 snaps. And he mentioned the red zone in particular. I would be pretty stunned if he was a full-time player. This is a brand new offense for him. So it just comes down to, would you rather have five red zone touches from Christian McCaffrey right. or your favorite RB three? And I kind of settled after Najee Harris, after Raheem Mostert. As and now we get 20. Yes. And now we're into the David Montgomery, CEH, Kareem Hunt, all these type of players where like, I'm not sure if they're scoring touchdowns themselves. They're either in committees on worse teams. So that's where I've kind of settled with Christian McCaffrey. This thing will change before we get to Sunday morning. And you have Chuba Hubbard, Deontay Foreman is running back 42 and 43. We talked about it last night. Uh, the Panthers are not running plays just in totality because they can't get first downs. They can't move the football and they are not scoring touchdowns. Those are kind of important opportunities uh, for running backs. So this isn't your typical, oh, now I have the backup running back that's becoming a starter. Let's get very enthused. Uh, speaking of enthused, I don't know if I was enough of that last night instantly. Uh, it's funny to try to digest such a massive trade immediately. Uh, and then you go on Twitter afterwards and you see you know, people calling attention to target share and how often Jimmy Garoppolo and a Kyle Shanahan offense throws to running back, so on and so forth. I want to tell you, I don't give a damn about any of that stuff because what I know is that Kyle Shanahan is one of the best play callers in the NFL. This is an inside and outside runner who is also extremely comfortable in the open field. So you have a versatile piece in Debo Samuel. We actually have a versatile piece in Brandon Ayuk, a fullback tight end running back hybrid in Kyle Juszczyk. The ways that 
this 49ers offense are going to be able to do heavy personnel to then spread everything out and go into empty is going to be fascinating to watch. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is a layman's take, a simple brain, because that's all that I have. I cannot wait to watch Christian McCaffrey in this offense connected to a play caller like Kyle Shanahan because fireworks should ensue. I think we'll swap out some targets for more touchdowns, and that will ultimately come out as a slight win for what Christian McCaffrey was. So I'm with you. It's going to be fascinating to watch. I can't wait for it. The biggest winner of this trade was the fans uh, and then fantasy analysts just trying to, you know, figure out all this stuff. Um, going back to the Chuba Hubbard, Donta Foreman. Donta Foreman has out carried Chuba 12 to 6. I think Donta is better on the ground than Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard is going to play the passing downs. That's kind of how it's worked when they've mixed in behind Christian McCaffrey. It doesn't matter. The, the Panthers right now are projected for 13 points. Yes. One, three points. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a, a team total that low ever. I think these that their projected total dropped by two and a half points as well without Christian McCaffrey. The spread changed by about two and a half points as well, which for a running back to do that, that is typically yeah. a quarterback's movement, you know? Um, Rich Rebar had a great point going back to the 49ers usage of this. Like when Chris McCaffrey joined Carolina, Cam Newton was not throwing two running backs and Norv Turner forced that upon them. And it became a focal point of their offense and just the angle routes and mismatches that this team is going to create now. Like you said, maybe we don't get the 20 touches every single game from Chris McCaffrey, but if we get 13 and let's mm -hmm. say 20 more red zone opportunities after Chris McCaffrey this season, fantastic it's going to be beautiful just looking at my model which is taking targets how close you are to the goal line the carries all that stuff puts it into expected half ppr points as a team the panthers had 16.6 which was bottom sixth in the nfl the 49ers are right there with them and that's with you know probably average to below average talent at the position obviously they're, they're trading all the all these draft picks they're going to use christian mccaffrey so it's not like the panthers were like had up at like 23 expected half PPR points. No, they were so bad that they couldn't even get to that. It was not even possible. So I think what's going to happen is the 49ers are probably going to end up with like 18, 19 expected half PPR points to their running backs. And almost all of it will go to Christian McCaffrey. Side notes, like Debo Samuel's eight off like around like six yards. I think that will increase. He has to play more wide receiver. There's no point in playing him at running back. Jeff Wilson can do the, the 15, 20% snaps at the running back position long-term. And then uh, I think that the biggest loser might be like George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. I feel they're a little bit lower on, on the, the target tree here. Uh, maybe George Kittle has to block more for Christian McCaffrey. Um, and they can only score so many points. So I think the secondary pieces may be at a slight loss. And the Panthers, it's like, it's a wash. Like, DJ Moore's going to get two more targets. They'll go for six yards. Yeah, it, it truly doesn't matter. My final note on this. We have seen Kyle Shanahan in ways influence the rest of the league with some of the usage that he has. Just think mm -hmm. of like the Debo Samuel discourse this summer, right? Yeah. A lot of that was also outside runs, edge runs that they didn't have enough speed last year. And so they knew that Debo was the best player at that. There's a reason why we haven't seen him doing that this year, especially now when we get Chris McCaffrey's because those are going to go to him. That's where we create big plays. Um, but just the Kyle Shanahan point. If he's an influence on the league, you know he has in the back of his brain how he's going to utilize a player like CMC in a multitude of ways. Yep. Like, I, I don't necessarily care about the previous usage of San Francisco running backs because this is a totally different animal. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Totally agree.
10 players for week seven, the real title of this. Let's kick it off with your T Higgins takes. Uh, they are six and a half point favorites. The Bengals are at home against the Atlanta Falcons, a total of 47 and a half. We've said this before, so I'll be very quick here right now. Like you mentioned, the Bengals top five in projected points. They catch the Falcons at, at home. We know the Falcons have struggled against uh, wide receivers. They're 26th against fantasy wide receivers this year. AJ Terrell, even if he does uh, face T Higgins has been kind of exposed. They really oh, leave yeah. him on an Island and it's a tough task. I get, we love AJ Terrell, but it's, they're leaving him on the Island. Uh, right now, Falcons are dead last and adjusted sack rate. Joe Burrow should have plenty of time. I have Joe Burrow as my QB four this week. Some of the elite quarterbacks are on by teams playing against the Falcons are passing the ball at the sixth highest rate in the league. And the big thing is the offense has changed. Almost every single snap last week was in shotgun. It's something that Joe Burrow has had success with, even going back to college. That led them to being uh, having a 74% neutral pass rate uh, last week, the highest of the season. So T. Higgins, he's been practicing more this week than he has in the previous weeks. Uh, exited last week without a setback. Got some, some targets. Didn't do a whole lot because I didn't think he looked all the way right, but the practice reports are indicating that he's healthier. So I think... Any bangle you want to pick here, I think it's positive. A limited participant on Wednesday, then a full participant on Thursday Bang. with that ankle issue for T. Higgins, who's also, you know, gone through some head uh, injury issues as well this mm -hmm. season. So once he's on the field, there are many avenues, depending on how the defense chooses to play Jamar Chase for T. Higgins to get home, as yeah. well as just being a great individual talent. You said we could pick anyone in this game. One of my five guys is Joe Mixon. Um, I think like the only question is, are the Bengals going to play the offense in the same manner as they that as that led them to victory last week, right? And the simple answer is yes, where it's purely shotgun to, you know, snaps under center, especially against a defense that only has one player playing at a high level, as you outlined, and Grady Jarrett. Um, the reason that's important, and this is from the great Rich Rebar, 20 of Joe Mixon's 22 carries over the past two games have come out of shotgun, where he's averaging 6.2 yards per carry, with 3.3 yards per carry before contact, okay? And Atlanta is 29th in the league in yards per carry allowed 5.97 to run out of the shotgun. Like this mm -hmm. perfectly lines up at the perfect time for the Bengals change in their offensive philosophy. Um, Joe Mixon has what? The third most carries inside of the five-yard line across all running backs in the league and no touchdowns to show for it. Just one receiving touchdown so far this season. The word we always throw out there, regression should be hitting in this game. And when you're favored by six and a half points, one of the highest, if not the highest total of the week at 27, uh, both my Joe Mixon and your T Higgins, along with Jamar Chase should hit this week. These shotgun splits haven't just been this year too. This is like a historical thing for the Bengals offense. Joe Mixon just has more room to operate when they're not, uh, in the gun. I hope that they keep three wide receivers on the field, spread them out, and then let Joe Mixon, who is can run with power, but also can make some defenders miss. He hasn't been as good this year. I'm hoping that with the offense kind of gelling and this scheme change, I think they'll get down to the red zone just more often. Like the, This offense has kind of stalled out at times. Uh, Joe Burrow has been a little bit worse than he was last season. I think all this stuff will course correct. I think that this offensive change will probably end up being good for Joe Mixon, who has completely broken my regression model yeah. Uh, in ways I did not even think possible for a player as good as Joe Mixon is. It's pretty clear the offensive line is just better out of shotgun too than under center. 
Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, again, this is the way that they are evolving and hitting their stride just as it took them multiple weeks to do that last season. And then we mm -hmm. saw what happened towards the end of the season. CeeDee Lamb is my next guy. They are seven-point favorites. The Cowboys are 49 total against the Detroit Lions coming off of a bye week. Um, it's actually pretty amazing that CeeDee Lamb was able to generate as much consistency as he did with Cooper Rush, who in the past three games had 15 completions, 10 completions, and 18 completions. I mean, that consistency, Lamb had at least five catches in each in each of those games. So like the underlying usage in terms of earned targets and target share, um, all should exponentially increase with Dak Prescott back at the quarterback position. Now, some of you are asking, well, the Lions have actually done very well against some primary wide receivers despite how bad their defense is, namely Justin Jefferson. Well, that's Jeffrey Okuda and it's bracket coverage. In that game, lots of Jeffrey Okuda against Justin Jefferson on the outside. What we've seen, again from Rich Rebar, the great Lord Reeves, C.D. Lamb over his past few games is playing 58% of his snaps in, out wide versus 42% in the slot. So if Kellen Moore wants to get C.D. Lamb free in ISO matchups without bracket coverage, just put him in the slot and let him work. It's that simple. And mm -hmm. if they're struggling, which they should not at all, or if they want to start with their pedal to the floor, creating those isolated matchups over the middle of the field where the Lions are averaging and allowing a league high catch rate of 90.5% and 11.6 yards per target to interior wideouts. Let's boogie this week with CD lamb. The lions defense stinks in every category. doesn't matter. The only time it doesn't stink is when they're literally just selling out to, to defend Justin Jefferson. So I'm right there with you. The Cowboys currently are projected for the most points on the week. And I think the quiet part of this game is both teams top six in neutral pace. So we're dealing with, probably a lot of play volume here on top of a bad uh, defense for the line. So totally there with you. CD lamb has been uh, a top 10 player in, in my uh, fantasy usage for a couple weeks. And I'm, I'm going back to him as well. Uh, and I also have Ezekiel Elliott on my list for a lot of the same exact reasons. The primary one is their seven point favorites on top of that. Ezekiel Elliott needs goal line opportunities. He's not getting nearly as many targets as he has this year, I think some of those splits, though, like you said, Cooper Rush is completing about like what 10, 15, 18 passes per game. So it's not that much yeah. like it's not like Tony Pollard's earning a lot of targets either. They're Dak Prescott probably is gonna throw the ball more because they're gonna pass more um in general. So I, I like Zeke Elliott's odds of scoring a touchdown this game. So um I have a pretty bullish ranking RB 17 right now. Someone's scoring touchdowns here, and I think that Zeke Elliott at the goal line has a pretty good chance. I've used this reasoning in the past, but like when Rashad Penny had his breakout game against these Detroit Lions, this is the game that you drafted Ezekiel Elliott for. Like, I know he might have let you down earlier this season, but in a game script like this against a defense like this, this is when you shove him in and just bank on him thriving in the areas that he does, which is scoring touchdowns inside the five and inside the 10 yard line. There's no other game script or game environment that will probably be better for the rest of the season than this one. And you get a quarterback back into the lineup that, as you said, they were still running with pace with Cooper Rush. And now it should only increase with just the total output and consistency of, of the offense. 
Rush did a great job as a backup filling in, but this should hopefully take it to the, another level as long as, you know, Dak Prescott's injury is as healed as we hope it is. And the good news about buying low on Zeke Elliott is the asking price is literally as close as it can be to zero. Nobody wants to be buying Zeke Elliott except for me. Uh, let's jump to a game where we each have one player on either side. For you first, it's the Miami Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Dolphins favored by seven points here, 45 and a half total. And they obviously get their quarterback in return into a tug of Iloa. And with that, the Dolphins are tied for the fourth highest team total of the week, all the way around 26, 27 points. So uh, there is touchdown equity to be had here. Like you said, seven point home favorites. And I know Chase Edmonds played a little bit more last week than he has previously, but a lot of that was in garbage time. You kind of see as the Dolphins are projected to lose more and more. Then all of a sudden Chase Edmonds plays, but early on in the game, it has been Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert is giving like days off on Wednesday and then he's practicing full. Injuries aren't an issue here. Uh, we There's a chance that we get some linemen back uh, as well oh, yeah. along with Tua, so that's going to be big, big news here. So I just think there's touchdown equity to be had with Raheem Mostert. He still looks good uh, to my eyes, and I just think that's a great situation with the, the Steelers' defense. Their secondary is getting healthier. A lot of these players came back from concussion concussion protocol, their knee injuries and stuff, they're still missing TJ Watt. The run defense has not been as good as it uh, was in previous seasons, 26th and rushing EPA allowed. I think those are all great points, especially with us picking on the Steelers secondary in past weeks. It's not as easy when, you know, maybe Minka Fitzpatrick or Kyla Weatherspoon, Cam Sutton, some of these other pieces are, are coming back. What's weird about the Dolphins offense is you can't really take any game plan that they've had over the previous three weeks and say like, hey, this is who they are after that hot start with Tua um, because in each of the last three games, their starting quarterback has gotten knocked out of the starting lineup, you know? Um, so even in that game against the Jets where he Mostert stepped in for 18 carries and 113 yards and a score, what we can take from that is he is so clearly the number one back in this offense that hopefully now with Tua where Mike McDaniel was able to script this team so many positive plays both in space and funneling targets to the two wide receivers, maybe the running game also just gets better with Tua too. You know, that they have made this complete shift over he Mostert since his absence, and I'm excited for that. And so, Hayden, I have to ask you, if you look at his higher or lower in the pick'em lobby right now, 63 and a half rushing yards. I think that is extremely achievable in a game mm -hmm. where the Dolphins are favored by seven points. Yeah, I think that like this could be a game where you circle and it's like 100 yards and a touchdown, two catches still. So it's like I still only have him ranked as like the RB19. It's hard to like get too high on him, but I think that he will have uh, the opportunity um, in positive game script here. George Pickens, I have on the opposite end. It sounds like Kenny Pickett is going to start in this game. And let me say that this prediction is not really based on anything that the Steelers have done in their past. It's kind of a guess on what the game plan might be this week. Because as we talk about it with the Dolphins, they use a lot of exotic fronts. They send blitzes from all different angles, which is kind of terrifying against this Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. And when you trot out a rookie quarterback out there, but what that also does is it leaves wide receivers in one-on-one -on -one situations. It asks them to win on islands, especially on the boundary. Um, I think Xavier Howard, so far this year, no offense, is playing very poorly. 
Like Double groined him, up. <laughs> Double groined up. We've seen him roasted by Rashad Bateman. We've seen him beaten by a bunch of other pass catchers this year. Um, so far, Kenny Pickett's time to throw is at like 2.76 seconds. That's right around league average. I bet it's all the way down there this week in the Tom Brady zone of about 2.4 seconds. And when he sees isolated coverage pre-snap, he knows and has actually done it at times a season to lob it up to George on the outside, allow him to just use his physical traits and take advantage of the immediate leverage pre-snap and post-snap. Um, maybe it's a Deontay Johnson game, but I'm banking on George Pickens this week. Yeah, uh, the Dolphins defense, a little bit of a pass funnel here. Teams playing the Miami Dolphins defense in neutral situations are passing at the ninth highest rate. And I think some of that is because of the reasons, like you said, right now their pass efficiency on defense, 29th in the NFL. The run defense, surprisingly, is six. So teams are passing more, and it's been more effective. And that's led to the Dolphins giving up their 23rd against fantasy wide receivers. So any one of these weeks could be the George Pickens week where he clearly separates from everybody else. Uh, Chase Claypool popped off for a big game. Loki, he's been kind of in, mentioned in trade rumors. Uh, we'll see about if, if anything comes to fruition over the next two weeks. Uh, but I think George Pickens is somebody to be buying. Like I've said a couple times, I think Kenny Pickett has played well uh, in his spurts, moving the ball at least. And they just need to finish drives, that type of thing. But I think eventually they'll start figuring all that stuff out. And we, we've seen all these rookie wide receivers have their moments. We mm -hmm. haven't really seen it from George Pickens yet. And I also think there's a possibility where with Tua back in the fold, Miami just runs away with this one too. Mm -hmm. And we've seen in games like that, that they will put the ball in Kenny Pickett's hands and just let him be a gamer and throw it right. around the yard. you know. And so even if it's garbage time, that would help this projection and projection as well. Yep. He's the wide receiver 34 of the last month in usage. He's had four straight games with over 8.7 expected half PPR points, which is pretty good. That gets him in, into the wide receiver four flex discussion, regardless of matchup. We could give him a little boost just because of the matchup this week as well. We're going to talk about Travis Etienne here. Uh, the Jaguars are three point favorites at home against the New York giants, a total of 43. Um, this past weekend, the Jaguars had a double-digit lead thanks to, truly, early Travis Etienne runs. He was extremely explosive, sometimes between the tackles, but this team has done such a good job early in games knowing that, hey, we're not really hitting these big plays down the field. We're going to create our mismatches in the running game and get our speedy running back out on the edge. Um, in fact, I think from the 1136 mark in the second quarter, when actually J. Michael Hasty had that long ass touchdown run to the first play of the third quarter, they only had one run in that span one. So I think there's going to be some self scouting here from the Jaguars. And there has been over the last couple of weeks. Think about that Texans game when Trevor had some bad hero ball moments. And if he had just taken the jabs, they could have done better. That was fixed last weekend. Um, but when they went away from the running game, that's when, you know, the other team was able to come back into it. So Doug Peterson might say, Hey, we looked at the giants film last week. They sucked stopping the run against Kenyon Drake, Lamar Jackson, a lot of quarterback power. Um, especially when they try to get these blitz looks up front and then teams are just gashing these like muddied offensive and defensive linemen and defensive lines at this moment. So Travis Etienne. While maybe earlier this season started off as just like a passing down or an air back, I think every single week it's built up to, hey, the Jaguars know that this is our primary source for explosive plays. He's about to turn the corner, and I think it happens this week against the Giants. 
Giants 29th in rushing EPA allowed. So big play potential for him. And the game is, uh, I mean, quietly, the Jaguars are three-point favorites against the Giants, even though the records would indicate that it wouldn't be that way. And uh, I think that's actually pretty fair. So uh, the big news is, is James Robinson's uh, efficiency has dropped recently, and that's led to Travis Etienne getting a little bit more playing time. So this is the time to keep just slowly buying into Travis Etienne stuff. Yeah, and, and last note, again, I think it's important that the Jaguars are field goal favorites here because all of that suggests a neutral or positive game script, right? Mm-hmm. And also when you consider that the Giants have led for just 23% of their offensive snaps, which is the worst of all winning teams so far this season. And the Jaguars have led for 40% of their offensive snaps, which is the higher rate, highest rate for all teams with a losing record. Right. So typically neutral positive situations leans more into running situations than it does, you know, the opposite side of that. So I mean, just to put it in, in perspective, the Jaguars team total of 23 is sandwiched between the 49ers and the Packers. So like treat these guys, you know, and let's score a touchdown, Travis Etienne. That would just, it's zero touchdowns so far for him, despite how good he's looked so far this year. He did last week have an inside the five yard op- opportunity. So let's do it. Something. Chris Godwin, talk to me about it. He was, and Mike Evans, a mm-hmm. primary target for Tom Brady last week, uh, yelling at his offensive lineman. We've asked and requested they just abandon the run. Maybe there's some self scouting going on in Tampa Bay, too. I would certainly hope so. This is strictly like an injury report uh, take here. Last week, DNP limited full, and then he still played 91% of the routes. This week, he's been left off the injury report entirely. And our whole theory and why he was kind of sneaking up best ball drafts, getting to the fourth, fifth round, uh, mostly the fifth round, uh, it's because later in the season, we know Chris Godwin's going to ball out. I think we are at that point to start treating Chris Godwin like he's Chris Godwin. I thought he looked great. Had to go down, uh, downstairs to grab some passes. Had to go upstairs like this one uh, or the one after this one uh, to catch some passes as well. So the usage is there, and I think Chris Godwin can absolutely destroy against the Panthers. I think one of the yeah. reasons why he's um, like getting all these targets is because Tom Brady doesn't really trust his interior offensive line as much as he has in previous seasons, and the tight ends do not block nearly as well as Gronk did last year. So he's getting the ball out underneath and, uh, and checking this ball down to Chris Godwin. They can't run the ball very effectively. I know they tried last week and it's backfired once again. Maybe their run game is these little uh, passes underneath to Chris Godwin. Uh, so in full PPR, treat him like a wide receiver one. If you somehow can buy low, I would certainly do it. Yeah, again, even the Rams passing offense got home against the Panthers last week. This is not a Phil snow led defense anymore. It's an Al Hokum led defense. And uh, look, the bucks are favored by 13 points. They're projected for a ton of points. I think uh, many people will read that and say, well, it could be a Leonard Fournette week. It might depends on who gets the opportunities inside the five yard line, but in order to win by that many points, they're obviously going to throw for touchdowns too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I still think Tom Brady's got it. I really do. And sure, I hear a lot this week of if he just held onto the football a little bit longer and took some hits, then more plays would be open down the field. I think we have to abandon that theory and just take it for what it is right now with this offense because he's still launching it down the field and still getting rid of it incredibly quickly at a high enough level for this team to be winning football games. Chris Goblin, season high 17.8 expected half PPR points, which over the last month would make him the wide receiver one overall. So... Treat him like it. The Chargers should have their way offensively too. 
They face the Seattle Seahawks, a defense that had great against the Arizona Cardinals last week. But here in this game, the Chargers potentially without Josh Palmer, potentially without Keenan Allen, are still favored by five points with, I think, the highest total of the weekend at 50. Yeah, they're tied uh, right now with the Cowboys for most uh, points for like in their team total. And what's happening is it's big injury report week for the Chargers. Keenan Allen's been limited. He had a quote that said he he could sit out uh, the, after the Chargers bye week. Then we have Josh Palmer, DNP Thursday as well with concussion. Donald Parham, most importantly for Gerald Everett, DNP Thursday with a concussion. Uh, the Seahawks, while they did have a good week last week, are still dead last against fantasy tight ends. Um, so right now, Gerald Everett could be like the number two, number three passing game target, probably the number three pass game target with like DeAndre Carter and these types. If Donald Parham, Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer miss, even if Keenan Allen comes back, just removing Donald Parham, I mentioned in the in the, the fantasy blueprint, there's some on off splits because Donald Parham is mixing in and that's tanked his route participation. If Donald Parham's out now, we have we're back to full participant tight end position, second those points, Justin Herbert, let's ride. My final name is Mike LaFleur. He won't be touching the field per se, but I think Mike LaFleur has a big job on his hands this weekend against the Denver Broncos. Uh, actually, in some books, the Jets are favored by one point here with a teeny tiny total of 38 points in this game. Um, one, no Elijah Moore in this game. So yep. you go from a great three wide receiver set where you could, you know, sneak Garrett Wilson into the slot to maybe Garrett Wilson plays full time on the outside in three receiver sets with Corey Davis and then have Braxton Berrios in the slot. But the biggest reason why that this is like a huge Mike LaFour game is he's been unbelievable this year, you know, for a team that over the last three weeks since Zach Wilson has returned have been 10%, 5%, and 6% below pass rate expectation. They've created and generated really sustained drives thanks to good defensive play, but also awesome running schemes. I have a feeling that you're not going to just be able to get by on running the ball against a Denver Broncos defense, which is probably a totally different animal than what we've seen from the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Miami Dolphins when you're up by you know 23 points thanks to yes. their starting quarterback getting knocked out and the Green Bay Packers, right? So if he's been so good at creating advantages in the running game, the next wrinkle is how do you create advantages in neutral situations with your quarterback throwing the football without Elijah Moore on the field? And I can't wait to figure out the answer and dive into it after this contest. In Denver, they're third in passing EPA allowed. They're first against fantasy quarterbacks, second against fantasy wide receivers, 11th against fantasy running back it's this is a big 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 task uh especially if garrett wilson's gonna go on the outside i think pat sertan's gonna be seeing some Corey davis and some garrett wilson i don't think either one of them uh are good enough to warrant like shadow coverage right. um but even even the other corners even like with the safety play how well the edge rushers have been doing for, for the broncos it doesn't really matter who's really out there all the wide receivers have been shut down. So um, really tough run out for Elijah Moore, just real quick on him. I think the reason why he's so mad, he's not getting targets. The reason why he's not getting targets, his dot is up over three yards. One of the highest differences of any fantasy wide receiver this year. He's like 14, 15 dot on the season. All the schemed up stuff that he got in college, all the schemed up stuff that he got last season when he was really breaking out has gone away. It's gone to Brees Hall. It's gone to Garrett Wilson, who are 
only going to be winning underneath right now. So he's really mad about that. I understand why. And they're just not passing the ball because the run game has been efficient and Zach Wilson has their winning ball games. I'm, I'm going to correct. Leave the rest at that. Yeah. I stirred some shit up with the Jets fan base yesterday, and I would not advise that on anyone. I will say just flat out, if your team has an average to slightly below average neutral pass rate, um, that means you do not trust your quarterback to in every single scenario to carry the offense. Like it's pretty simple. If you look at all the teams above the Jets, they trust their quarterback to win in every single scenario for them. And I'm not saying that's the wrong approach because they're clearly winning games. It's probably the right approach at this moment. It's just a fact. Now, if I was, you know, Mr. Edgerow in my first year as a defensive coordinator, who's done a great job so far this year, I would plant Patrick Sertan. If I'm looking at the defense of the quarterback's view as that right outside cornerback spot, because Zach Wilson truly through three games this year, and even dating back to last year when it was 25% of his passes, has not proven that he can throw to his left consistently. Like, I know that this might look like a small detail, but I think it's a large enough sample so far this season where he loves to target those right, especially when you think of his best throw. It's that 17, 20-yard outside the numbers, even inside the structure, no bootlegs, Mm -hmm. but he just loves throwing along the right sideline. Loves it. Let's take Mm -hmm. that away and then see what Zach Wilson has. So from that defense perspective, I think it's a fun one. But then what is Mike LaFour going to bring out of his bag this week with the, you know, the pony personnel, the two running back sets that we've seen in evolution each week too. And maybe they use multiple tight end sets. You know, I'm, I'm just excited to see this offense. And I think Hayden, to be honest with you, not to keep going on and on about this. Offenses like this can succeed more often in the NFL this season because of how defenses are playing them with, Hey, Mm -hmm. let's stop the big plays. And so this is why I think running systems as a whole, maybe not individuals, but running games have been successful this year. And why we're seeing so much creativity pay off because everyone's playing so far back. And that opens up that middle of the field area for them to thrive. Especially the Broncos last week, going into the week, they were by far first in two high coverages on the back end. So uh, I think they're going to try to run the ball with Brees Hall and Michael Carter early. We'll see if it's sustainable. Um, I have a lot of faith in the Broncos defense. I got like yeah. major respect to them. And final point, and I know this is throwing out there because people are seeing like EPA under pressure and stuff. Zach Wilson has been pressured on 34% of his dropbacks this season. Uh, he's completed four of 23 passes in that environment for just 49 yards. Meanwhile, when he's been kept clean, he's completed 73% of his passes, 38 of 52. I actually, I'm not going to say that's noisy, but I don't think it's been as brutal to a degree as those lay out just from watching those games. Like he's not crumbling as in a Jared Goff style when under pressure and it's tanking everything. So I'm actually optimistic of if this game is put on Zach Wilson's shoulders, like the second half against the Pittsburgh Steelers was, what is going to happen? And I, I just can't wait to see it. And maybe if a positive thing does come from this, then we do see them flip their, you know, pass rate over expectation from middle of the pack to above. Cause at some point that has to switch for you to be a true contender in the NFL. To be clear, I'm, I'm pessimistic on the jets <laughs> pass game this, this week. This is, I don't think it's going to end well. Okay. I can't wait to watch it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back here on Sunday morning at 1030 Eastern for a start sit show and Sunday night for the instant reactions with John Daigle. 
And if you have 54 minutes this weekend, I know you do, carve out some in your calendar. We just posted the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes full breakdown with Josh McCown on the channel. So check good. it out. It's so good. Pretty damn good. All right. Share that one. Share that one with a friend. If you're not going to yeah. do with the fantasy stuff, share that one. You jerks. You don't want to share the inside information we give you to win your fantasy league. At yeah. least take the link from Scheme and text it to one of your buddies. Do that. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the Vela. We will talk to you all soon. See ya.